Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. Yay, it's time for another Synthesizer Library podcast. I'm Adam Anderson, and I'm back again. And today I'm featuring my first synthesizer in the library, and it is the Roland Juno 6. And you could probably say that I'm also introducing the Roland Juno 60 at the same time, because the two of them are basically identical, except for the Juno 60 adds patch memory and DCB control but the sound architecture is the same. So what the Juno 6 and 60R are six voice analog polyphonic synthesizer from 1982 to 1983 these were produced and that's really a short time considering how many you see of them on the market today on the used market. But it's a great synthesizer has a really nice warm analog sound and is very stable as far as the tuning is concerned. A lot of analog synthesizers, especially older ones, suffer from um, some tuning issues where the oscillators are no longer true to their original circuitry and so they kind of um, fall out of tune. But the Junos, the Juno 6 and 60, have digitally controlled analog oscillators. So don't let the digital confuse you. Um, It's still analog um, oscillators, but the pitch of them is controlled by a digital circuit so that makes it very stable as far as um, the tuning is concerned so uh, first of all I just want to look at the back of the unit real fast there is a tuning knob on the back um, just like a lot of synthesizers they'll have some sort of way to tune the overall instrument um, but I found it to be very stable it's m- minus tuned just slightly off on the sharp side and it is I've set it that way over a year ago, and it's been fine ever since. Um, But I think I mentioned the the Juno 6 and 60 have six notes of polyphony, so you can play six notes at a time without dropping uh, sound. There's 61 keys. Um, And, oh yeah, I was talking about the back of the instrument. Yeah, sorry, I got off track there a little bit. So the connectors on the back, there are two... Um, quarter inch outputs for just stereo outputs and or you can use a mono and it has one labeled for the mono output they're not labeled left and right but I guess that doesn't really matter um, as long as you have connect both of them that makes the stereo Im- image and there's a switch next to the output for high medium and low and I wasn't sure at first if that was impedance or what but it's actually just the level so it's a higher level if it's switched to high and a lower level switched to low. Um, I pretty much always have mine on high because I want the most output of it. And then I just control the actual overall sound from whatever I have it hooked up to. Um, it also has stereo headphone output, a TRS connector. It has a VCF control input, a uh, quarter inch again. It has a pedal input, a quarter inch. and Or you can actually, there's a switch on the front or pedal hold it's actually just labeled hold but it does the same thing as a pedal and it's really handy when you don't have a pedal or you have it hooked up in such a way that it makes it hard to route a pedal up to it um, but it also has on the back of it an arpeggio clock input which is really handy considering that these don't have MIDI but if you use the input of the arpeggiator 
feeding it some sort of clock signal, either a click track from your DAW or maybe a rim shot sound from a MIDI-controlled drum machine, you can kind of turn this into a MIDI-controlled synthesizer, at least as far as the arpeggiator is concerned. Um, and like I said, the Juno 60 also has a connector for the Roland DCB uh, control, which was their proprietary format for kind of control between these two, which has since, of course, been replaced by MIDI. Um, so if you need MIDI in your synthesizer, then these might not be the way to go. However, there is an, um, there are several modifications, not several, a couple of modifications out there that let you add MIDI to the Juno 6 or 60. I haven't tried it. Uh, like I say, I've been just, just happy with using the arpeggiator uh, control input to sync mine with my modern day studio. All right, well, let's get into the sounds and see what this thing really sounds like. First off, let's look at the oscillators. That's always a good place to start. The control for the oscillator, the DCO, um, is labeled DCO right in the middle of the control. So it's, it's right in front of you when you're playing. And it has three different waveforms that you can turn on. Um, there's the pulse wave, the saw wave, and the sub oscillator, which is really just another pulse wave, just an octave below. And let's hear what the what those sound like. So here's the the pulse wave. Here is the saw wave. And the sub. All three together. So in our discussion of oscillators a couple of episodes ago, um, with once you've got all three of these things turned on, you've really got a feature, a frequency-rich sound. Right now I've got the filter set about halfway, so actually half of the sound's actually already being filtered out. So I'm going to open that up all the way, turn the volume down a little bit. So you can hear there's a lot of frequencies going on there. So it gives you something to work with when you start filtering out some of those to shape the sound a little bit. And um, so the next section over from the oscillator is the high pass frequency or high pass filter, which filters out the low frequencies. So again, with the same um, uh, filter set up all the way open, here's what, here's what happens when I start to filter out the lower frequencies. Actually, you can play maybe a lower chord so you can hear. And that's with the high pass filter all the way up. So I'm going to turn the gradually turn the high pass filter off again so you can hear how the filter adds those low filter low frequencies back in. And not particularly useful the high pass filter. Um, if you want less lower frequencies, you can turn the sub oscillator off altogether. Um, it's, I guess it's useful in some cases, but maybe in recording. Um, but so the next section over from the high pass filter is labeled VCF, which is voltage control filter. And the type of filter here is a low pass filter. And right now, like I said, I've got it all the way open. But if I start to bring it down, it has the opposite effect of the high-pass filter. 
where it removes the higher frequencies. And it also has resonance available, so if I reduce the cutoff frequency and bring up the resonance, You can hear that little bump. Um, actually, it's a pretty big bump right now with it, where I've got it set. So there's a bump of the frequencies at that cutoff point. Um, so the cutoff frequency of the filter can be controlled by three different things. The envelope, the LFO, and the keyboard range. And there's a, a dedicated slider for each of those. So with the frequency set or the cutoff frequency set off set about halfway, if I increase the sorry, if I increase the effect of the of the envelope on the filter, it basically just brightens it up no matter what because the the fil the envelope is um, opening and then closing. But if I set it so that the envelope has a slower attack, you can kind of hear that not only does the, the note have a slower attack, but the filter comes in and opens up. The other thing or the next thing over that controls the filter is the LFO, and I haven't gone into what exactly the LFO is made up of on this synth, but it is a triangle wave. So you can hear the the um, sharp peaks and valleys of the LFO. I'm going to turn on the LFO control of the filter with a relatively slow LFO time. <laughs> You can hear it opening and closing the the filter. Now if I give it some resonance on top of that. This is just holding a note down and it sounds almost like a sequence. You can go a little bit crazy with the LFO control and speed it way up. Or you can have it really slow. You can have it start with a little bit of delay, so if you, when you initially press a key, it takes a while for the LFO to kick in. Um, and the next uh, control over for the filter is the keyboard. And I've had that at about halfway the entire time here. But if I increase it all the way, what that does is the higher range of keys on the keyboard um, will affect the, the cutoff frequency greater. So the lower keys will sound darker and the higher keys will sound brighter. So here's a lower key. Here's some of the upper keys. It's kind of a, 
a natural sound to have the lower keys sound lower and the higher keys sound higher. So it's a it's nice to have it set somewhere maybe above half or so. It sounds pretty pretty natural. Okay, so the next thing over from the filter is the VCA and it just has one switch on it. VCA is the voltage controlled amplifier um, and the amplifier is affected by the envelope. So the envelope we've talked before is the the shape of the sound over time in regards to volume usually. Um, but the VCA can be controlled by the envelope on board or by a gate if you switch, uh, switch the switch on the VCA. I don't have um, anything hooked into the gate, so it basically just disables the envelope altogether when you do that. So with the envelope control enabled, it's a typical ADSR type envelope, attack, decay, sustain, and release. And um, nothing too exciting here. It just kind of is what you'd expect. The, the release actually has a pretty long release, so I'm going to play... I have it all the way up and give it a nice long sustain and if, so I'm going to let you know when I press the key and release it so pressing and release and hear how long that will last good long time in fact I think I've left the room and come back and had it still going okay um, so that's the end of the red controls on the front that are really sort of the sound design type of controls. There's the DCO, the oscillator, high pass frequency, VCF, which is the low pass uh, filter. I said high pass frequency, high pass filter, low pass filter, VCA, which is the voltage controlled amplifier, the envelope, and then all the way over on the other side is the LFO. Um, but there are a couple more sections of controls on the front of, of the you know and the first one that I want to point out is the chorus so this whole time I've had the chorus off but the Roland chorus is actually a really nice sound um, so here's um, set up a little bit of a sound here so here it is with, with chorus off and I'll just play a little pattern Is the chorus on, chorus one, and let's go to uh, chorus two. There's chorus two. And you're not probably not supposed to be able to do this, but if you fiddle with it a bit, you can get both of both chorus one and two on. And Kind of a funny goat sound. Kind of funny. Anyway, I really like having the chorus right on board. And if um, you want to know more about what the chorus is, check out the ebook that I'm writing right now. It should be out by the time this podcast is released. And it's a free ebook on my website, synthlib.com slash effects. E F F E X. E-F-F-E-C-T-S. And um, that's going to go over all different types of effects. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about stomp boxes that guitarists use and how we can use them with synthesizers. So that's a free ebook available. 
go online and register and get that synthlib.com slash effects. But with the Juno, of course, you don't need an extra chorus pedal externally. You've got the chorus built right in, and I think it sounds great. So I think uh, the power of the filter really comes into play when you can start to combine the the controls so with the envelope and the LFO and the keyboard range all controlling the filter really gives it some great life um, the next blue section of controls I want to talk about is the arpeggiator. And its controls are just on and off. And then it has a mode which lets you choose whether the arpeggios go up, up and down, or just down. And then the octave ranges that they cover. And the rate or the speed of the uh, arpeggio. And right now I've got um, something plugged into that external jack in the back that controls the arpeggiator. It's uh, actually a Roland CR5000 drum machine. So once if once you have something plugged into that jack, the rate control on the front is no longer active. The rate of the arpeggio arpeggio is controlled by whatever's plugged into it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start the drum machine, even though you can't hear it. I'm just using it for control. And then if I turn on the arpeggiator. So you can hear it's just kind of a basic arpeggio and it sounds real nice and you can adjust, um, of course, you can adjust the sound while it's going. And one thing that's really handy, like I mentioned earlier, if you press the hold button, it's like holding down a sustain pedal. So you can just press something once and it'll just keep going forever. And then you can play with the sound while it's going. So it's a lot of fun. You can just keep changing the settings of the of the sound while the pattern keeps going and then maybe 
change the pattern a little bit by just holding another chord down. And while that's going, I wanted to demonstrate I've um, got the, uh, the pitch bender knob over here. And I've got it set right now so that the control actually controls the filter. So I'm going to bring down the, the filter a little bit. So you can hear the effect of this. Maybe give it. So you can hear it now. I'm going to bring as if I'm bending the pitch up, but it's actually going to be opening the filter up. So it's a real nice way to add some dynamics to your pattern if you're maybe using the the Juno to play a bass pattern if you switch the switch the range to pretty low do something like this maybe even just an octave okay so now if I bring the pitch bender up accent that part of this of the song put it back down of course you can do the same thing kind of automatically with the LFO with a slow speed on the LFO it kind of sounds like someone's bringing that pitch bender up but I'm not doing anything right now this is all the LFO So yeah, the arpeggiator is a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's a great way to add uh, synchronized bass patterns to your track that you're working on. Like I mentioned before, synchronizing it with a MIDI controlled drum machine, or just if you have an external or auxiliary output of your interface for your computer, then your DAW can send a click track or anything you want out to the control input of the of the arpeggiator for the for the Juno. It has to be the control signal needs to be some sort of percussive sound. You can't just send it uh, in like a pad or strings or something like that. It's not going to react very well to that. It's got to be probably a, an actual click or a um, rim shot, or maybe cowbell or something like that, that it'll react to that. All right, one thing I didn't talk about in the uh, DCO section was the pulse width modulation and the LFO control. So with the pulse width modulation, um, first of all, pulse width modulation, what is that? Um, we talked a little bit in earlier episodes about pulse waves. And the, a pulse wave, it becomes a square wave when its width of the pulse is the same as the amplitude of the, of the wave. I'm simplifying here, but... Um, so a pulse wave, wave is um, kind of a square shape, but the width of that pulse um, can change over time. That's what pulse width modulation is, and it, uh, it doesn't change the pitch of the sound, and it doesn't change the volume of the sound, but it changes the timbre of the sound. So I'm going to turn off the, the other waveforms, 
and turn up the pulse width modulation here and play a little something. Here's with no pulse width modulation, and then I'm going to slowly bring it up. We got the control of the pulse width modulation set to the LFO, so you can hear it. If I bring up the speed of the LFO, of course, I've also got the LFO slightly controlling the filter. I can remove that so you can hear just the pulse width modulation. Or I can add that in to, so that the filter modulation and the pulse width modulation will be synchronized with each other. So the other thing that can control the pulse width modulation is the envelope. And I haven't had a lot of success with this. I'm going to bring down the LFO control of the filter so we can listen to, um, and the envelope control of the filter so we can listen to just the envelope controlling the pulse width modulation. So there it is all the, all the way on. To all the way off. So I, I kind of find pulse width modulation difficult to describe in words. That's why I've kind of played a lot of it for you. It's not filtering the sound exactly. It kind of is because the um, when I'm especially when I'm playing multiple notes because the the, freak, the waves are all kind of conflicting with each other um, and canceling some of it out. So, but it's not really filtering the sound. It's not really changing the pitch of the sound. It's not changing the volume of the sound. Um, it's almost like a Almost like a chorus, but not quite. Anyway, you just have to... There it is with uh, bringing the, the pulse width modulation up and down real fast. Um, so when you see PWM, that means pulse, pulse width modulation. Um, and the other thing in the oscillator section is the LFO control of the pitch. And so I'm going to put a little bit of delay on the LFO and I'm going to have kind of a fast control of the pitch. Okay, I haven't actually turned the, turned on the control yet, so here it is. If you do it right, it might sound like kind of like a natural vibrato that comes in a little bit late. Um, 
The other thing about the LFO is it has a section for trigger mode that lets you control when, exactly when the LFO starts. So if I switch it to manual, then there's a big button over by the pitch bender that I can press to engage the LFO. So I can start it whenever I want. So if I'm holding this chord and I want the LFO to start um, messing with the pitch, I can just press this button, let go of the button. And that's just about everything that you could want to hear about the Roland Juno 6 except for the noise generator so I'm gonna it's in the oscillator section and I'm gonna turn off all the other um, waveforms so you can hear just the noise generator I've got an envelope set up to kinda come in slowly you might be wondering why would you want a noise generator like this on a synth And a couple things it's useful for you can make seashore sounds like like this or um, kind of special effects or if you bring up the resonance of your filter and set the cutoff frequency it, um, it kind of starts to become pitched and if you combine it with one of the, some of the other oscillators you can almost all almost make it sound like it's a wind instrument just have a little bit of noise in there if I bring the resonance down you can also um, you can also shape the noise to sound almost like a percussion sound if you make the envelope kind of really short and you tune the you hear that click that's coming from the the noise generator you can make it a little bit longer so that's with the sub on and the noise so the sub off, you just kind of get this percussive sound made shape out of shape noise, and then the sub gives it a little bit more pitch. So it's actually really useful um, to mix in with other sounds or even our other oscillator, or even just use it on its own. So that is the Roland Juno 6 and Juno 60. And bottom line um, is it's just a great vintage analog polyphonic synthesizer and it some of the drawbacks are that it has kind of limited controls limited features um, but that's also kind of a good thing because you're not going to get too deep into settings and things like that and just go too crazy especially for beginners if you're just learning synthesis if you can get a hold of a Juno 6 that would be a great synthesizer to learn from and of course, like I mentioned, the Juno 6 doesn't have the patch memory, but that again, I think is kind of a bonus when you're just starting out or really anytime because it really forces you to become creative um, and start designing your own sounds. Because if you just start setting sounds and then coming back to the same ones over and over again, you're never really going to learn how these things work. 
So I would get a hold of a Juno 6 if you're just getting started and you can find a good deal on it. I got a crazy awesome deal on mine. Um, they're just good, stable um, analog synthesizers. So thanks for tuning in this time. Hopefully you found this interesting. Of course, don't forget to go and register for the uh, effects ebook at synthlib.com effects and to learn more about how you can use stomp boxes and other effects with your synthesizers. And hopefully if you've listened this far, you've found this podcast useful and I could really use your help if you can go to iTunes and leave a positive review on this podcast. I'll try to take a look at every review I get and see how I can improve. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.